thought-provoking ideas and fresh perspectives from the world of arts and sciences. You're tuned into the Big Turtle Podcast. In this week's episode, we dig deep into the lives and perspectives of three musicians from India, all of whom who play more aggressive forms of music in this country. Does this music find a context politically, or is it more a result of their own personal politics? So basically, you know, welcome to the show. This is the Big Turtle Show, based out of Tulum, Mexico, presently. And if, if you've seen our, uh, our, uh, our logo and our social media pages, um, you know that this is a broad-based platform where we invite panels to discuss everything from music to art to the environment to technology to religion, sexuality, etc., and um, so we've had some very interesting people so far. And now, you know, the reason uh, that we called it the Big Turtle pod, uh, Big Turtle Show is because very close to me, um, in a place called Okshmal, is the, one of the biggest nesting areas for giant sea turtles. Okay, it's called Okshmal in Mexico. And you have the most gorgeous uh, turtles come up there. And you can actually go and swim with them in a way that's not harmful to their natural habitat. You can go scuba diving with them. It's, it's quite amazing. So the name Big Turtle came from there. And also, uh, Big Turtle is also like, a, in Hinduism, is an avatar of Vishnu. And according to myth you know, and legend, the, the, the universe rests on the back of a giant turtle. So there's a lot of symbology here. I thought it was a cool image and I just uh, picked it because it represents everything here. Um, so yeah, man, I'm so happy to see you all here. I wrote this article a few, I don't know, a, a year ago, I think, yeah. uh, about uh, you know, the metal and punk scene in India because I was new to it. And it was in fact Rana who introduced me uh, to this scene. Uh, I did not know because I hadn't been in India for so many years. and. Uh, when I left, you know, it wasn't nearly as developed. People were still grooving to classic rock at the time when I was growing up in Bombay. And then techno came much later. And then this stuff, of course, of course, there was metal back then, but nowhere at the level that I'm seeing today. You know? um, so, yeah, I'm very interested in, in, in talking about this, this phenomena and the growth of these genres in South Asia and in India. And in, in places like, you know, uh, you know, Pakistan and Bangladesh, and where, where obviously it has a very uh, overt political message, um, and Sri Lanka and so on. So um, without going into too much detail here, uh, I think I'd like you guys to introduce yourselves to our viewers so that uh, uh, they know who you are. And just an overview is that, so these are, uh, actual musicians. These are musicians from India, um, oh, and they play in uh, they play punk, hardcore punk, death metal, black metal, groove metal, and everything in between. And um, so we've invited them on the show to talk about this burgeoning scene in South Asia. So please, man, go ahead and introduce yourselves one by one. Vishank, why don't you start? Joe. Um, I'm Rishank, and I play guitar in a band called Death by Fungi. Um, I do vocals also for Death by Fungi, and uh, yeah. And Little Wales? 
and and little bit. I felt list all of the things I played in some pretty long lists. So There's no point. Um, yeah, and Little Wales, which is like an indie rock band. Um, yeah. Uh, what's Rishant, the name of your band, Rishant? Uh, Death by Fungi. Okay. And yeah. you are the uh, the the guitarist. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. I play guitar and I also did vocals. And I'm yeah, I do vocals also. Okay, great, great. Okay, carry on. And the next you, person. How about you, Rahel? Um, yeah, I'm Rahel Kaiser. Play for Vajravara guitars, vocals, arrangements. Uh, Bayou, which is a post-punk band, and Sister, which is a noise band, but not even a band. I mean, I don't even know what Sister is at this point. It's just completely something else and yeah but mostly i deal with regions and sounds which are mired with dark expression i guess at the end of the day okay hey i'm sadat and uh, i do vocals for a band called pacifist based out of mumbai and we play like post hardcore music which is just i mean it is hardcore music essentially but like you know with a different take and style and sensi- sensibility i guess um i also do some other things on the side i i indulge in a little bit of parody and comedy with a comedy collective known as tarpatri talkies and i i used to do a podcast at one point uh, called haram koring where i used to just have conversations with bands and stuff from india and yeah uh, thanks for having us over vikram and rana pretty cool all right um well my name is rana uh awesome. i sure should i i don't know yeah i can quickly introduce myself uh my name is rana i steer a sort of ship called reproduce we uh <laughs> produce events um across india predominantly uh but also have in other parts of the world and uh it's nice to be here cool <laughs> um right maybe vikram do you want to start yeah so you know when did uh start going is um in the direction um uh, in the and Did it start and taken seriously in middle and long, in terms of, uh, because a lot of it political, symbolic, and how much is laid to the all. So, verge, and uh, I think we're getting a lag out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there's a yeah. bit of a disconnect. Could you just rephrase that? Yeah, everything was scrambled right now. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, I just wanted 
developed um, because I want because I see some of it is very political, some of it is um, is, is is to do with ancient rituals and the occult, and and and, and a lot of it is just uh, you know we're talking about death and incarnations and violence. Um, how did this happen? That's a very broad question, I guess. Um, I mean, how I see it, uh, I think the three of us have a little inclination towards uh, individual things that you've said. Like Ruhel being the, uh, you know, one out of us three who's clearly like more towards the occult or like, you know, uh, the supernatural at some level and like, you know, uh, religious symbolism, but subversions of those. Uh, so I guess, yeah, he could, he could probably uh, elaborate more on that. But um, Yeah, I mean, so there's a certain time where you discover certain bands in your life and for me, there was this trajectory where before I used to be into a lot of hardcore and punk and all of a sudden I started like reading more into the occult, like, I mean, any teenager would at some point because, I mean, everybody wants to be edgy around that age and you try to go and dig deeper and deeper and it's like a ladder of, you know, left of center topics that you, that you got to climb the rungs of. And once you get there, you you find different tra trajectories. And what appealed to me most was like, for me, there's a certain aesthetic that I see in 80s animation and comic books. And then when it comes to occult, death metal or whatever, like in that sense, the entire packaging, I mean, seeing it as from an economical point of view too, as a, as a market force as well. Because the... Because the packaging comes with certain, comes with certain aesthetics, which aesthetics, are which are very DIY. Which are very DIY. Yo, I think there's a feedback loop. Is someone yeah, speaking? Feedback on? loop. Is someone speaking? On? Mm, yeah. Oh, it could be mine. Actually. Yeah, yeah, just use headphones if you want. Yeah, just yeah. use headphones if you want. And you can mute your speaker. While you can mute your speaker. While you're doing this It's all the Zoom call etiquette. It's all the Zoom call etiquette. Corporate. <laughs> Corporate. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I should do it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so there were certain things that appealed to me. It's just this certain layer of, you know, late 80s, 90s aesthetics. Very Xerox, very cut up, hand-drawn logos, very DIY done stuff, which appeared, appealed to me visually. And then there were these bands and they all had these different stage names from like, a triazic path of a morbid angel to like an abbath from early immortal. And that certainly appealed to me that you could just take up another guys altogether and be this person and be this entity, which you can mystify, create mystification around as much as you want to. And there's a certain mystique with these bands and there are certain things, the way they take the photographs, the imagery they use, which kind of like pulled me into it. And then on the other hand, uh, there were other bands around in Nepal, I suppose, like Jugga and uh, Kali X Gula and all these early, early Nepal, like grindcore, power violence, punk bands, even 
Two Stupid Triangles. On the other hand, there was Ogra Karma and all these bands who were kind of like slamming it like 10 years ago when India hadn't caught up to this new wave of this 80s, 90s, old school revival stuff. And, and then at the same time in Lahore, Hassan was doing multinational corporations and a bunch of other bands. Yeah, so, and I think at, at some point there was this Inferno Metal Festival. All of a sudden, this is a very strange lineup that ended up in India. I never imagined like these two really young bands from uh, Koblotten, Norway, which is kind of known as like the thrasher town, town of Norway because Fenris of Dark Throne is from that town as well. So they kind of came and played this really fresh kind of approach, which wasn't rehashing the old stuff, but it was hard hitting. It was heavy. It was like the old stuff, but the ideas, the arrangements and everything was pretty new. So I felt like there's this trajectory where you can explore more and distinguish yourself sonically, visually and aesthetically. Because I mean, uh, especially when it's metal and this kind of dark uh, occult metal, uh, I think theatrics comes into play a lot and you got to have a persona, a stage persona, and you got to take theatrics seriously. Because, I mean, if you're claiming to be a so-and-so so called whatsoever occult band, then you got to have a stage presence that, that lives up to right. your, wor your words or your press kit or whatever. So, yeah. So th that kind of like really got me into, and then especially the music because it's very powerful, very technical, and almost can get very spastic and raw in a very punk sort of way at the same time. And there are endless possibilities you could do with it. I mean, I, I can find Danish bands, which almost sound like a mix between really modern hardcore punk and black metal at the same time. And their yeah. lyrics are not about the occult at all. I mean, I, it's, it's just like right now, I don't think there can be very certain broad definitions of these genres. Everything is kind of amalgamating, mixing in this crazy melting pot. And it's, it's hard to keep track because it's all very atemporal at this point. That's okay well uh yeah we're gonna play clips from your or from some of your shows uh in post you know we're gonna uh, play some clips at when this uh show sure, is sure. Uh, online so people get an idea of uh, what you guys sound like and look like when you're in front of an audience um so when do you think the era of live music is going to come back and concerts given the, uh -huh. the circumstances that we live in what do you guys think and what's the industry uh you know what's the grapevine say so i mean you know i always yeah go ahead you think after you said no no, no you, you <laughs> okay i think the interesting thing here is uh, now context setting uh Vrishank, uh is Currently uh, based out of Chicago, and I am in Bombay. And Vrishan keeps visiting, uh, and uh, you know, and he, that's when he gets time to you know do stuff with Dead by Fungi. Dead by Fungi is Bombay based, and so is Pacifist. Uh, in fact, Vrishan kind of egged me on to start my own band in Bombay after I moved here and stuff. And so we've kind right? of we've yeah yeah that's true that's true. That. And uh, he he kind of gave me the idea to like jam with this drummer, and like you know th things took out took off from there. So, uh, yeah, so we, we've kind of had like a very symbiotic relationship, I think, as bands uh, with a lot of shared uh, friends and members and all of that. 
and at the same time like you know we've got unique experiences because he knows how things are in the us where we derive a lot of uh, our inspiration and you know uh, a lot of the bands that we listen to from and uh, he knows how things have like he's attended shows there and stuff so he's got that perspective and i've been like a local guy since forever so i've got that perspective so uh, yeah said said coming back said <laughs> yeah you're saying Sid's perspective is too local sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm trying to break out of it, of course. I, I'm aware of that. <laughs> so yeah, gigs Sorry coming back. My I think, uh, I mean, and even like in terms of like the situation in India is not looking good at all, right? I mean, the numbers just keep going up, and um, people are not expecting to see anything but a plateau, maybe. for the next foreseeable few months especially in a city like mumbai things are looking hard man i mean bands have come to a standstill musicians and music related live event related jobs have completely shut and people have lost jobs and they've been laid off and people are like a lot of people are a lot of people who moved to the city for work like myself are now looking for a way back home because uh, rent in the city is r- ridiculous and uh, yeah i wouldn't the things things are not looking great in india for sure without a doubt and uh, probably not until maybe early 2021 i i mean that's still being very optimistic but yeah or until there's a cure and like you know it's cheap and everyone can like figure a way around it um definitely dismal for india yeah you tell you tell what's your scene shot how's oh, things there well um it does it's kind of the same like if you look at it, the us is actually on worse than india um, and it's on par um i also don't see anything happening here till maybe mid 2021 one yeah is mid 2021 and that's like like you said being optimistic um and i feel like a lot of people have been you know trying to do live streaming shows and those things have their appeal or whatever but it's just not the same as doing shows what what i was thinking about is like this backlog of shows that got cancelled because of the pandemic or well, are the news like when they get the okay go to open are they going to rebook all of those old bands that had their shows cancelled or or what's going to happen right so i think in 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 this context and you know places like chicago and stuff have a good diy scene so they'll work around it but in yes in india's context like i yeah. I would say it's like a good chance to just take things DIY and start from where you are. And I, I, I think maybe after all of this is over, all of those big uh, promoting agencies that were like fucking predatory and they were housing multiple sexual assault, uh, you know, allegedly like these bastards. And I hope all of them fall. I hope like like Indian bands understand that they actually have the means within themselves to do shit. Um, no, I'm all about that, man. I mean. it's like a bad hegemony it does nothing for music it's making it unsafe for women and minorities like fuck that like they can go get fuck i don't really care about all of that yeah, it's it's, um, it's a time for a lot of people to probably you know uh, reconsider like you know the paths that they have chosen and like you know also um, the people that they were associated with and um, the yeah. the terms that they have kind of adjusted with and worked with so far cuz that was normal normative 
so yeah, yeah like i mean being diy is like a very uh, you know it 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 will be a very liberating experience so to take control and like yeah. you know run things on your own i mean that's the only way bands are finding a way out right now as well so uh, yeah it's just that i mean mm-hmm. yeah go um, okay. yeah i uh no i was saying something um yeah, yeah uh, i was saying that like um that like um it, it almost feels like post pandemic everyone would be starting from scratch you know like um a lot of the clear structures that were in place um not just in music but in every aspect of of life have kind of feel like they weren't ready for all of this so um i think it's like a a fresh start almost kind of at least in india's case maybe the us and stuff still have the you know diy and yeah. culture and shit but yeah i mean 2021 mid 2021 being optimistic yeah because like even even the whole recession and how that's going to impact see ultimately live entertainment in india is linked to the whole uh what do you call it and uh, the and the events events industry is linked to uh, the fnb industry because it's usually like venues that serve food and alcohol that also end up hosting shows and if those companies and those uh, organizations and you know collectives are going to be in the dumps right now and it's not like india particularly has any associations or unions that are kind of bailing them out or helping them in the situation or you know uh, you know it's just being supportive in in that sense like uh, like I, i i see a lot of this stuff happening because i i am kind of familiar with how the bar industry works abroad um they ha- they still have a lot of support like coming in a lot of uh, donations and like you know things like that keeping helping keep businesses afloat like for example like i'd i'd kill to have something like a brooklyn bazaar in in mumbai and mumbai struggled to have like a dedicated venue for the longest time every time culture germinates in the city it dies with the venue it's always linked to that sort of venue and the kind of culture that grows around it and the kind of you know just time that people get to so- be social and just attend shows and be part of it yeah. and the moment these things die it's hard man and and i hope that like you know there are spaces that can sustain even through what's happening right now or like new spaces that can emerge just cause you know maybe you know rent goes dirt cheap and someone mm. clinches a good deal and like can set up the most fucking happening thing that could happen in 2021 i mean fingers crossed right yeah. yeah yeah man that way bombay is so go on now i've been talking about the shit you you don't i was going to say i'm like for better or for worse endlessly optimistic and i i've been you know, listening to all of you there's like a mix of perspectives but i really do think i especially vishank and what you know your perspective like i really do feel that it's kind of like like clean slate like just erase and all like all of these kind of cats who were putting on gigs with whatever kind of situation that they kind of chose partners be they musicians or financiers or whatever all that stuff is irrelevant now and like it's a totally open playing field on the one hand Well, of course there's no live gigs so the open playing field is more but now what what do you do and i think this is really weird opportunity to totally rethink everything and kind of start from scratch 
Um, I find that very interesting, indeed. Very interesting. I don't know what's going to so come. So Rana, Rana's been doing some interesting stuff. So yeah, we, yeah. I just I wanted to actually ask Rana because you know this whole scene and uh, not just metal but the experimental music scene and all the bands that that Rana manages and promotes. I don't manage uh, anybody. Well, <laughs> just to be clear. Uh, but yeah, okay. yeah. He books yeah. a lot of people. Books, yeah, I, yeah, I, I like music a lot. How's that? Yeah, okay. yeah. So Rana, when you came from Canada, and then you're a former, you're a former academic, and yeah. uh, and then uh, from 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 Nova Scotia, and then you moved to India about a decade or so ago, and you decided to plunge yourself into this emerging scene. You know, and 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 to be a part of it. Now you're an integral part of it. So, can you tell us uh, how all this came about and what you found? You know, what you discovered when you when you landed there, and uh, you know what uh, drove you into this. And um, so, I'm really I'm really curious to hear it from from you, as somebody who came from outside and then became a part of this scene. Right. Okay, well, it's a long-ish story. I'll, I'll keep it brief. I actually first came to India. Tell, yeah, I will also tell us a little bit about the type of music that sure. you, uh, yeah. Okay. All right, so I actually came to India first, 2001, as an economist. Um, I was working with the UN at the time, uh, living in Delhi, and then uh, accidentally uh, started doing commercial video production uh, for the UN. I kind of thought I was going to be a professor of economics. So that was kind of what I figured I would do with my life. Um, but then I, I've, I've been taking photographs since I was a kid, like, you know, dark room, black and white, making prints and stuff. And um, the video part came when I was asked to document a project and I, I shot it and I cut it because I was like, just as for fun, I was learning editing software. Anyway, so that ended up taking up the next 11 years of my life. And that's what I did as a commercial videographer for a bunch of different agencies, donor agencies all over the place, based in Delhi. The music stuff um, started, actually started by virtue of a band. Um, they don't talk about this much. A band called the Black Lips. Um, oh, dude, this is quite a story. <laughs> so um, the context is basically 2007, and I was living in Bombay, uh, Balinaka, Bandra. And I remember like crossing that Mahim Bridge, you know, when, you, when you're going like, the town south and uh, seeing a huge hoarding for cricket, um, IPL cricket, and looking at the sponsors and suddenly realizing, not that this is a new realization, but this kind of new media kind of opportunity and these kind of sponsors. And then I realized how much money is being thrown at it. So my PhD was looking at risk, which is what I was doing in Bombay at the time. Well, based in Bombay. Um, I was doing my research in Bidarba in the interior of Maharashtra, but anyway. Um, saw this hoarding and just kind of thought about financing. And my PhD was on risk and notions of regulation and markets. And I had this idea, wouldn't it be great to bring a band to India? And I was listening to this compilation uh, at the time, a, this compilation called Nuggets. It's like this garage rock compilation. Um, this is like two volumes of it or whatever. And I came across a band called the Black Lips. This is 2007. And they kind of were doing garage rock in that, in that spirit, but out of Atlanta, Georgia. And there's a number of other bands that were kind of like coalescing around a similar, similar thing in California, a label called In the Red Records in San Francisco, Larry Hardy. Anyway, um, VOCs, et cetera. 
So I wanted to bring the Black Lips to India. And I saw this like possibility of maybe I can get a sponsor because of Cricket Can in my logic at the time, maybe the Black Lips can too. I don't quite in retrospect know what the hell I was <laughs> thinking, but that was the logic. So um, I met this guy, uh, Sahil Makita, who also is known as the Demon Stealer. And I met him through a friend of mine who's a novelist who's writing a book at that time called The Butterfly Generation. And I think he interviewed him. It's a book about a 20-somethings in Delhi and Bombay, etc. Anyway, so he knew Sahil. So I went to his house and Sahil's like, you got to meet this guy. Uh, his name is Vijay Nair. So uh, he still he has, has a thing called OML. So I was like, okay, cool. So I go to this place in Andheri, some, I think it's Andheri East or West, somewhere north, I can't remember where. And it's like Vijay and like um, a skeleton video crew, uh, Babblefish that time. And uh, maybe two or three other people. And uh, I showed Vijay and the team some videos of the Black Lips. And it was um, this one particular video they shot in Tijuana, in Mexico, actually, of this really ridiculous gig. And they're like urinating on each other. There's a woman kind of somewhat masturbating. It's just absurd, like just ridiculous. And it's like, yeah, so what do you think? And Vijay's like, yeah, OK, cool, let's do it. I was like, OK, great. So um, long story short, he, he did. And uh, at that time, it was still the, um, what's what was college? those kind of sponsored college festivals called I can't, Indian, no, shit. It was sponsored by like VH1 yeah. and Nokia, and I can't remember. Gradient, no, not Great Indian Rock. God damn it. Anyway, <laughs> there was a few of those. Uh -huh. Long story short, um, no one understood what the hell the Black Lives were doing. They thought they were amateurs. <laughs> they were idiots. Like, what the fuck is this trash? This is nonsense. And essentially, when it came to Chennai, the band were like, screw this. And they just got hammered essentially and played a gig as they would usually play a gig so we ended up with one guy whipping his dick out and playing guitar with it and then two guys making out and and this is all oh i should say also i um i i wanted to make a, a film about this so it's kind of another reason why i wanted to book this tour I ended up getting vice a very early version of vice doing video stuff to uh produce it and so anyway so it's all there you can see it um so the whole thing kind of was that for me was a catalyst because I, I was suddenly looking at music and these new audiences and documenting it and thinking about a broader audience based on this document, but also the absurd, in a sense, and just the black lips in India. What the hell? Like, what does that mean? Being a fan of the band, though, to be clear, and, and them really wanting to come to India. Like, they were very, very keen. I literally just reached out to, like, at that time, their blog. It was a like blog, like, black, I don't know, some blog spot, black lips, something. And they replied like in an hour. I think Jared did. Anyway, um, so yeah, it was that. And then that kind of really got me excited about producing events, to be honest. From an, at that time, a distance. Like I, I was uh, kind of uh, someone in between who put like a band together with a machine that could book shows. And I was shooting it um, and there for all of it. But the whole thing kind of really left a big impression on me. So I suppose that. And then 2010, meeting this gentleman named Jaranjit Singh after hearing this record, and now finished my PhD and not needing to make the kind of money I was making as a consultant doing video production, and then feeling I want to now, inspired by the Black Lips thing, wanting to make a film. And lo and behold, this gentleman, Jaranjit Singh, kind of emerges, who's at the time was 72, made a very strange record, strange and wonderful record called Tenor August to a Disco Beat. And, uh, jumping ahead four years, ended up booking him and him playing shows at like the Lincoln Center and 
MoMA PS1 in New York and 10,000 capacity festival crowds in Europe and all of that. So then really now like coming to a different point in my professional aspirations, career, what you want to call it, where I totally just fell in love with like, not so much the music business, because no, actually definitely not the music business, but producing events. And producing events where people were like, they'd be, they'd, they'd be engaging with this, but they'd be like also scratching their heads, but then also totally into it. And it was, that, it was that balance of it being something remarkable, but also engaging and, and maybe a bit different that did it for me. So to come to the more recent present, um, 2016 onwards, uh, after having not booked shows in India, for I, I think some, I think it was you, Siddharth, you mentioned, you know, the F&B model with venues. And yeah. from my perspective, how that was a barrier to entry for the more interesting world of talent that typically couldn't uh, easily. Because yeah. uh, they can't sell, you pizza. know, peers, yeah, for example. Yeah. yeah, you know, it doesn't pair well with like, yeah. whatever. So um, <laughs> wanting to just put on shows, kind of like what, how Vrishwank was saying, you know, like then just yeah. doing it, just doing it, you know, and Rahel played a, a number of the earlier kind of iterations of these events, which ended up happening all across the country with time. And luckily, uh, very, very fortunate to have people who appreciated what we were doing then, you know, helping and, um, and it kind of becoming something, something. And I don't, I, I, for me, so to, to your question, Vikram, like in terms of the music and maybe my, my taste yeah. and what, what I'm drawn to, it's, um, it's risk takers. And that really does come from, again, like my own doctoral research, my understanding of where this meets the market and, and why and how you can present value to things that inherently have zero value, like music. In, in a monetary sense, in an objective sense, music, you can't, it doesn't mean anything. You can't touch it, you can't hold it, you can't lift it, you can't, you know, it just is. And it has no objective value, but of course it does. It has maybe the most value of anything on earth, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, that's my own opinion. How does that happen? You know, how? And that's what I always found really fascinating. So to be able to engage with this, this work, and, and again, to your question, in terms of engaging with this really interesting moment in time in India, um, and Pakistan, and Bangladesh, and you know, many parts of the world, not just South Asia, but I, I live here because I do find it deeply fascinating and interesting, and I like the music, and many of the musicians are friends, many reasons, you know. Um, it is an interesting time. And I do think that, especially the, kind of the people that we have here today could speak to that more from their own experience. But for me and somebody who, yeah, does like produce events or facilitates these events happening, I'm most interested in risk takers who seem to have a signature or a compulsion to make this kind of work and present it to a public. And I don't have any genre focus, you know, I don't. For me, it's more that, it's more like a, um, an underlying ethos or uh, perspective on why this music needs to be made by this particular person. And, and I trust my ear and I often feel I can sense that. Now, again, totally subjective, but I think I know what I like. And um, if I like it a lot, I get really excited about it. So that's kind of what drives me um, and what has driven me is that, is that premise of wanting to, and also like being able to then go to these shows and see it. You know? <laughs> I think a lot of it also is just going to shows and being kind of like, okay, this is all right. You, know, you program what, the shows you want to watch, right? Basically, yeah, I do, totally. Yeah. Like I would, I would yeah. program the shows that I want to see. Uh, yeah. I know, personally, there's one question I, I do want to ask all of you. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is kind of about this music. 
And on the one hand, the kind of emerging, I don't know, emerging is an overused word. This, let's just say this culture that surrounds it, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Um, mm -hmm. How does this play out in India? Now, what I mean by this is this. Before we got into all of us who were in this call, Vikram was kind of talking about the, the broader environment where we exist um, and certain elements of living in urban India. And there are certain things that we all recognize, you know, in terms of, well, you know, the easy things and crowds and noise, and that's all valid, it's, that's real. But I think Vikram was suggesting that, you know, it's an interesting time for the kind of music that you make from his perspective, um, because potentially it meshes well with this environment. But I, I want to extend that and think about the kind of other environment of what's happened politically in the country and what has been happening. And at the risk of using an example and trying to adapt it to India, which is always dicey, um, but since we are speaking about, well, elements of punk and hardcore, if you look at what happened in, say, early 80s California, <laughs> for instance, a lot of the music that was coming out of uh, Los Angeles, let's say, well, Black Flag being the obvious example, but many examples, um, <laughs> came from a certain frustration of what was happening with Reagan and conservatism and the right. Absolutely. Now, um, I would be wary of making a comparison to saying how the rise of the right in India would then generate a certain sense of frustration, alienation uh, here amongst a generation of musicians. I don't know if you can just say that. That's like bringing, you know, that's like basically taking tropes of rap music from India, <laughs> getting a sponsor, and then Dharavi. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how that stuff works. Well, I do actually, but <laughs> anyway. But from like the perspective of this kind of, the music that you work with, like, is this a fair um, road to travel or is it just too um, misguided? Because it is the assumption that you can simply transpose struggles be they class struggles or economic struggles or into another context and assume the music follows suit. I'm curious to know what you think. And because I know also just one last thing, I know that you also have been making this music for a while and it's not as though it's a new thing, but do you, do you link it to this emerging trend here in this country or is it just something that is? Uh, as far as I see, like in this kind of punk and metal kind of scene, there are only like, I don't know, a bunch of bands that I can count on my hands that, Hold water, uh, and you know, I, I guess prepare a good punch in the songwriting. And I mean, False Flag did it like two years ago, and there are only a cer certain certain amount of bands who are, who I feel are genuinely, if they are protesting and if they're writing topical songs regarding protest and dissent and against yeah. against the against the state, is that that these bands only there are only a cer certain amount of bands that do it with with a heart and not hype and a lot of bands just want to you know jump the wagon and Posture. you know and then just get along with that shit so they could they could just get some shitty traction i mean but whatever if if it floats their boat i mean do it man i don't know well, maybe they're scared it, but maybe they're maybe they're fucking scared man you know, maybe it's scary out there if you say what you really mean in this current climate but, I'm, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just it's like a half measure. Like I think what Ruhel is saying that there, there are bands that do half measures and there mm. are bands that go full out. Like, you know, so I think False Flag is one of those very, very vocal, political, uh, politically charged, you know, hardcore uh, uh, influence bands out there. Mm. Mm. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, 
if if you could see i mean recently there was this crazy suicide in bollywood but and on the other hand i see i don't know people who have i don't know who had nothing to do with act and never met him i don't know probably watched a bunch of his movies holding like a whole candle candlelight vigil which which was like very seemingly absurd cuz this this is certain cultural disconnect except like everything in india at least in the northern parts of india is kind of enmeshed within bollywood and and it, it's it's just like some kind of um, bandwagon jumping that i do see and you can you can anybody who can read can clearly detect if somebody's jumping a bandwagon but on the other hand i think this this is i mean it's been a long time coming i mean people should have been vocal about shit like i don't know whenever they it needed immediate urgency but mm-hmm. right now with how things are going on of course people should be vocal and things are changing and these societal structures and uh, hierarchies do need to change and some some kind of uh, harmonious sense needs to be restored but so like to uh, you know get go back to what you were saying rana about like uh, say like our music and it being like say a product of our times or like where we uh, belong to like you know uh, geographically and things like that so i mean uh Prashant kind of coined the term Bombay hardcore and uh, you know and and pacifist at, at least when at the time of its formation uh, a lot of the lyrical matter and stuff like he, like Prashant said like you know uh, it's a matter of what you choose like it some and as a band you even if you speak of personal personal is political and uh, i mean i've had conversations like this with like you know our peers like uh, even hasan from multinational corporations from pakistan and uh, and you know we all agree on this like inherently our music is political and i didn't particularly see myself being writing or like being part of like a uh, you know politically charged um you know music movement or like you know even even the thought process per se because i pretty much was very apolitical as a younger adult um until like probably until i i probably i started paying for like you know uh, bills and like living independent life and seeing how um, life as an adult and like you know all these things affect me and my surroundings and people that i care for and that's when you know personal is does definitely gets political and that's how pacifist music kind of also tapped into like that whole bombay hardcore sentiment fundamentally like from my own ex- experiences like say working in the ad industry in bombay or like from be- for just being like a, a regular guy trying to like you know make a living and just facing so much of like not even facing it's, it's not even about like wanting to say that like i suffered through a lot of shit but watching people around me suffer for no reason in general uh, regardless of i mean more more often than not because they don't belong to a certain degree of privilege or they come they come from a background that where they are uh, where they stand disadvantaged in a city like this and they will be taken advantage of and they will be like you know um, take like they'll they'll get pretty much taken for a ride and that's the anger that stemmed in in our music and i just wanted to find a way to channel that and like felt that this is the most important thing i can tell right now as someone you know making original music and stuff so so like yeah i mean like uh, i accord with his sentiment in that sense and i and i you know as much as 
uh, everyone would to probably like Prashant likes to say is dismissive of his band or his music. I would say there there is a very dedicated select bunch of people who also respect the fact that we choose to address these uh, subjects and like you know talk about these things and uh, represent them through our work and. Uh, you know and do it while being very self conscious about where we come from and our background and like you know our privileges and you know it's not uh, I, I it's not irresponsible like you know and it comes from a place of uh, say seeking a larger uh, truth to you know our uh, urban existence like like why settle for something that's inherently wrong Mm. Yeah, this is something that this is a subject that is it's it's very interesting. I wanted to talk about it, actually more, mm-hmm. um, in terms of um, there's a, there's a few criticisms about Western music uh, in India, and I think those are uh, to a large degree um, misinformed mm-hmm. because uh, what they're saying is you know there's a lot of people who have a very archaic notion of Uh, India, in terms of the arts coming out of India, music, literature, uh, film, and people have, especially in America, you know. So if you're Indian, you know the music that you produce should be in sync with their stereotypical notions of what Indian music is. You understand? Right. And right. Keep punk and and black metal, and this is what I'm trying to explain to people that in the <laughs> world that we live in today. uh you know the divisions are not between east and west hardly exist anymore if you look at urban india and urbans in a big uh, you know urban conglomeration anywhere else in the world you know very similar you know mexico city or bombay city or bangkok yeah mexico city you know, bombay city is a good comparison yeah so it's not like, even hong kong or like yeah yeah so i see this yeah. uh, weird thing especially because there's a lot of americans who come to india for yoga and ayurveda and spirituality so and there's a lot of people who think that nothing's happened since then mm. you know so they're identifying mm. with an india that's almost like only a product of their imagination and does not even exist in reality yeah. so this is something and and coming speaking to uh, to uh, the question of privilege again that may have been true 20 years ago or 30 years ago but there are so many uh, you know uh, the type of people who live in cities now in countries like india and it's a wide cross section you know so you can no longer say that this guy from kathmandu or dhaka or bombay is privileged because they're playing rock music or electronic music you know that person could have been as the struggle is as real as anybody else So I think we have to now. Uh, this is it's a time for us to throw out these false binaries, you know, uh, and this criticism. I don't know if you'd like to speak to that regarding privilege uh, yeah. and regarding uh, Indian identity. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean growing up in a world of dichotomies, especially I mean in Ladakh, where there's. legitimately nothing except for a bunch of folk musicians who are considered low caste and then there there's a bunch there was a rcp tribute band which kind of died away like i don't know 10 years ago and there's nothing else happening here 
and then for me like my my trajectory was either like okay cool i'm going to go to delhi and cuz there's nobody here to jam with there's nobody i can make music with and i go to delhi and i and i see and i learn that um i have to build up everything from scratch and uh with my own money and with my own effort cuz coming from where i am in terms of privilege and background i i cannot afford whereas i see these kids in delhi whose parents have built them lavish state of the art studios and they're making shit music <laughs> so when in my opinion and and in a and and contextually on a global scale i think people in dhaka and countries and lahore which is i mean societally much more worse off than uh, how things are you know it's not like you'd be issued a fatwa or anything if you if you speak your mind out here in india yeah. maybe more today but not like 3 4 years ago yeah. so that's where i think the privilege play comes in cuz i uh, cuz you feel this thing cuz once you go move to a bigger city you see these people and they have everything yet they are still dormant in some way in terms of creativity and urgency whereas i had to like kind of like salvage everything i can every piece of gear from here and there and i mean still to this day i don't have my own drum kit or my own bass guitar is just shit i borrow from people and i try to work my way along with so and if i had like a pratik kohar budget of i don't know 75 lakhs to go up to nashville and record then i'd probably <laughs> make, make my magnum opus i'd make my blonde on blonde kind of album you know uh so i mean that's when privilege comes into play i guess because some people have 75 lakhs to spend on their album and some people have like zilch did he actually spend 75 lakhs from from i mean it's just word uh, i can't yeah i mean like he <laughs> that's how, how, how can somebody use 75 lakhs i feel like 2 lakhs i'll tell you what i'll tell you i'll tell you what that's cause that's cause the fuck there were there were uh, full sized holdings of his singles and shit in bombay so he's paying like technically the 75 lakh yeah Dude, i mean all together but but that just cuts a big deal for the recording budget too all together i mean there's there, there must be a indefinite cut which is like a lot of money i mean even yeah, to yeah. record in in nashville in, in, in the, a lot yeah, of, of course in the us yeah course, so i mean when you don't that have that so and quit, you have to diy everything and kind of use hangers and ropes and everything to just mic your thing for your vocals or like you know use an ahuja mic for the first three years of your career and borrow gear from friends and you feel shitty about it i think yeah that that's when personally like the whole privilege thing comes into play but then yeah. again now now th- things are slightly getting more economically feasible with b- brands like berenger and all coming into india where you can you can acquire gear slightly cheaper yeah. than than yeah. how it used to be before does this music then kind of address that like the again i just want to touch on this on the actual kind of like more how can i say oral aspects of the music and i don't want to like slot death metal or hardcore or punk into this kind of aggressive container music. it's too simplistic mm-hmm. but does does the music that you make speak to actually i actually want to ask each of you this you kind of addressed it to a certain extent said actually quite well but does this music that you make speak to a, a desire to express yourself that requires that level of what might appear to be aggression or is it more a reflection of just that i just is the music i like 
I like this music. This is what the music I want to play. And I don't even know if you're capable of answering that question because it's probably I think quite it's more personal. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I like that music and it what it's what feels sonically in sonic aspects right to me yeah. and that that's that's why I do it more or less. And yeah. then I mean, I mean, I mean if you write outside of music, right? Yeah. Like you you don't want to be part of the larger what do you call it? Uh, like like even Rishang mentioned about like with the whole Bollywood. uh the grasp that it has on our society mm. uh you don't want to be part of that populist narrative mm. and that's why this exists that's mm. i think that's so crucially fundamental to why this exists because mm. india is built on mass culture at least yeah. at least like you know a, a large chunk of india uh, is built on mass culture yeah no yeah, yeah. No yeah question no question I know personally speaking that's always that's been very it's been very close to my heart is like kind of fostering a basis for rejection and finding people who also have that desire to reject and are drawn to that. Like I know personally speaking that's always been um something I've I saw a lot of value in, you know, to actually um find people who feel the same way because I just instinctively I felt that there's probably a lot of them but they there was no I, you know there are always pockets of, for this to be you know showcased and presented whatever but right. to try to do it on a more regular basis again personally speaking certainly was a was a goal of of, of mine um and yeah and by fungi we joke that like in dbf we joke that all of us have ptsd and we kind of all do and we all just like only want to write like angry fast music because like I don't know. I like. I can't write like a single song. Write a song about you can. That shit, you know. Yeah, you actually do, like, by the way. No, but it you sucks. <laughs> but it sucks. But oh, but I, 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 I but will, that, that shit is like. Okay. All of that shit is more like just personal, like my like oh like, I don't know. Like uh, I talk about what I write with that by fungi. There's no like crossover directly between little whales or that by fungi. Oh. Absolutely, because uh, they represent two different. ियम Yeah, if, it's if interesting. Like we kind of like it, it's interesting that this uh, panel is like uh, us, th- like us four actually. Like uh, Rana's technically like a part of this too, and uh, I think we all have very different motivations uh, individually, and uh, we come from very different walks of life. Very different walks of life. Now that I think about it, uh, but we have like I guess a common uh, you know a binding element that that. stems out of this you know well yeah i mean personally i think again it is it is oops sorry it is that um it is that desire to like or that that sense of wanting to reject a certain status quo because it might be mediocre it's populist it lacks imagination it panders yep. these are all words that i've used in the because <laughs> I, i you know and this is this isn't just This is also I could ask the same question to myself by the way why am I drawn to that culture or that imagined culture of music and the word outsider I can't remember who used it 
you know, I don't know how these things all add up when it comes to our, our ourselves, like the kind of people that we are and how we grew up in this world and our experiences. But um, I, what I can say about, you know, if this panel is to speak about death metal or punk or hardcore, um, I know for me, like, it just, it just spoke to me. It spoke to, I have thought about this and I'm, we all have, but I do know I was 14 years old when I first heard, um, it would have been Black Flag. That's a cliche, but it's true. I, it was an album called Damaged and I'd, that, I'd never heard anything like that before. And I just moved to a new city and I didn't have a lot of friends initially because this is all classic, but it's true. And lo and behold, hardcore. And it just, it just stuck with me. And I also think that like, I read about this, that you know, there's a period in your teenage years where once you're 21, 22, where the music that you're listening to becomes canon. It becomes your reference points for the rest of your life almost. You know? And I think who knows what might've happened if I didn't move at that point and stayed where I was living earlier where I had like a different circle of friends. I don't know how these things really work. I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, it's always interesting to me to think about how musicians gravitate towards their forms. Although interestingly, certainly for Ruhel and, and Vashank, you do have a varied palette of music. And so, so I don't, sorry, I'm not suggesting you don't. So that I know you primarily for pacifist. Um, so, but it's, it's that, it's like, it, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to speak to a certain desire to appear aggressive. It's more a reflection of a certain um, desire to feel a connection to the sonics of it. Yeah. I guess, but then, you know, extending from that is, 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 the, is the secondary narrative of then how this music comes about. So for instance, in my case, I mean, as I said, I just want to finish this thought, like Black Flag came from California, early mm -hmm. 80s, Reagan, conservatism. I moved to a new city. I probably was, I, you know, 14 is a weird age. And I was kind of like, I don't really have a lot of friends. And then suddenly this guy gave me a cassette tape, like you need to listen to this. And it just totally clicked, you know? And that's like, so such a big part of my life to this day. Granted, I listen to all different kinds of music, but I will say on a regular basis, on a day-to-day -day basis, when I'm like working at home, doing my thing, I'm listening to metal. It's just, I just am. I just am. It's like kind of like my, my go-to. Or hardcore, or like that kind of music. So I don't know. Yeah. Bit, a bit off topic, but just to finish, sorry. It's like, I'm really curious to know, and I don't know if I've already asked this question, and maybe I'm not satisfied with the answer. Maybe I'm just really um, uh, relentless. But it's like this music that you make, at least front-facing, if you talk about Death by Funky, if you talk about Vajravara, if you talk about pacifist, you know, whether or not this music speaks a narrative in terms of a legacy that is part and parcel of a particular point in time. And it doesn't have to. But I do think that it is a really weird time in India and all over the world, fuck, because of this whole situation. And does this music yeah. come from that place or is it more just a very personal thing that doesn't have to be politicized and maybe shouldn't be? I, for, for me personally, I've been a huge fiction kind of like, you know, heavy on uh, fantasy and that, that, that realm because I was more drawn towards that uh, as a child. And uh, it was that escape that drew me towards metal, like in a very classic 
traditional heavy metal kind of sense where they're singing about epics Dio. and like you know things <laughs> like that yeah like i mean like iron maiden and judas priest and you know that that felt like awesome you know that yeah. that felt like an an escape from reality and that was my draw towards heavy music in general like i remember exactly. listening to painkiller like uh, in my ninth standard and just thinking wow this is the most demented thing i've ever heard <laughs> and and like it it was the more classic strains of heavy metal that kind of drew me nice. into the sound overall huh. but hardcore became more of a reality based thing for me and as an adult i think i i i started relating more with that post like the age of 20 i guess more or less i mean i i had probably heard converge for the first time when i was 19 i and like you know i did all i i checked out all the classics and uh like you know over time and and it's it's a it's a process for me i keep listening to more music with each passing you know year uh, and like now i i never had listened to like grindcore like say 3 4 years ago but now i'm like a i could say that i'm a full of hell fan and uh, i and i dig that but uh, yeah for me like in hardcore in particular or like you know even more abrasive and heavier sounds of music like it's been like a upward journey of like you know discovering it as i grow older and you know as i relate more with the reality of it uh, as opposed to uh, the usually escapist tendencies of other styles of heavy music which is good in its place and it's it's nice to have that too but uh, you know this is this is important this this is what i want to do with my music is what i feel mm. so so yeah One thing that we didn't talk I I want also to bring this up because I'm I'm curious in your take on it. So um okay, so like there's some disparate musical genres here. So there's death metal, hardcore punk, what Ruhel does which is what Ruhel does. Uh which I do want to talk about. I don't mean that in a disparaging way whatsoever. I mean that just in terms of the vision and we've talked about it a lot in terms of where that comes from in your own mind and body. But to play death metal, it's fucking hard. Like to play it's death i'm making a you know an air play guitar it's really hard to do and i've often wondered it's like cuz metal has a long as bikram said you know it goes back many years in india as a long tradition of metal relatively speaking to so called indie music in in the country and i've often wondered is that because metal is hard to play and to play that you got to you got to you have to have chops you can't just be some yeah. schmo you have to know exactly oh shit i have to real help Maybe he'll be back in a moment. You have to know what you're doing, you know. Yeah. Um, do you this think that Rohit should be answering this question? I know what the hell. Yeah, absolutely, you? absolutely. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a set ended up for him and. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, I kind of did. Well, any. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, the. No, I have I, some thoughts on that too. I let me just finish my. So I just wonder if one of the reasons that metal has such traction in India is because there's an inherent respect. between musicians and an audience like wow look at that man he pulled it off like you know some like that's that's not hard that's not that's that's hard man you really have to know what yeah. you're doing so it kind of like almost seems to come from like the excessive traditions of like classical hindustani music in like 11 by 608 timing and you know and maybe like that kind of like crazy oh, yeah. guitar right. chop is a similar thing i don't know right. yeah i mean i think orchid the top of the head finest, no orchid is the finest example of like a good blend of showing skills while still being great songwriters yeah. i mean stuck in november because they i mean they're literally like a cousin band uh 
but bro they're not not like a metal like band metal yeah band. they're not a metal band uh, but like just in terms of skill sets uh, but yeah like i don't know man they used to be mindsnare at one point of time they were like a fucking legendary band great crazy crazy trio like trio that's the best part right like it's mm. three people pulling it off uh, very solid references that you could go back to so if you if you if you'd heard of any death album which is like the cornerstone for progressive death metal in the 90s uh you could listen to mindsnare and be blown away that this exists in india mm. and it was i think uh, at least a decade and a half ahead of its time like for from, from that perspective and the fact that like you know uh they were all very skilled musicians and uh, i'm sure a lot of uh, musicians in bombay saw that and were like oh we got to pull our socks up you know mm. and uh, and and they did put out like a very solid release that still holds a lot of water to this date i think i think they they're quite one of those bands that never you know that that's aged quite well from from the subcontinent mm. i i i say that with you know uh, fair amount of uh, oh, there he is exactly and when it, you ended does perfect 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 we got ruhel here and yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> So hey guys and there you are Rohel okay. I, I was talking about Mindsnare and like how they were like the best example of a band that could be like progressive and technical but still be like such great songwriters can you hear and, me i just yeah. had like a geo blackout ah yeah. could imagine okay. no you you get you hear um so what we were just talking about i'm not sure at what, what point you dropped out but i was alluding to this which we actually very interesting alluding to the fact that maybe one of the reasons that really technical metal is so widely well amongst people who appreciate the form is so appreciated in india in particular is because it comes from a legacy of hindustani classical and i and i think rishak said something very interesting where it's like if you're going to do this you, you might come to a situation or a point where is listen playing any kind of creative life's like professional career is hard it doesn't matter where in the world you are it's hard And at some point you're going to have to like somehow approach your parents and have this moment where you're like oh, this is what I do maybe you don't get it and it's fucked up it's strange whatever so the context being that like you know if you're really good at what you do you can kind of speak to a deeper legacy of indian traditions in terms of musical excellence that might validate it in front you know to your parents and so on and so forth but i don't know um yeah the, the, i just it's hard to play um metal especially death metal and i think you disappear in the conversation at this weird time because well you're a very accomplished guitar player and you practice a lot and it shows um but i don't think i i can't speak for you i don't think that you're and we have to we have talked about it. it's very personal uh well in a sense i don't think that you're like actually i don't have to say shit you play the melody for virtuosity yeah is this something that like is reflected i i think i know the answer but is your desire to be really proficient at your instrument Uh, uh purely personal journey is a more reflective of like a deeper legacy of musical traditions and excellence in this country. Yeah. Uh no I I mean I don't think it's in any aspect that way cuz all my all of my guitar playing comes from playing punk. I I never learned from anybody and I just borrowed shitty guitars with high tension strings from other people and worked on them. and when you work on a fucking high tension guitar it's you have to press real hard mm. and it kind of prepares your fingers and 
then i mean since once you get get the spell of songwriting and writing songs altogether the whole procedure of it uh and then you get tired of certain formats cuz i mean as they say right now that i mean rock and roll or whatever the, the whole guitar music trend like died 10 years ago and then you see all these bands getting more creative you know staying mm. staying still traditional but you know opening up new trajectories like i don't know there are a bunch of bands now that have kind of made death metal almost ambient at this point mm. and and it works that way too so when it comes to that kind of playing i want to certainly create riff ideas that are are not usual are not not super groovy but more jarring and spastic which which comes definitely from more punk and grindcore and it's rather more than like an iron maiden traditional yeah. metal mm. and i mean in terms of songwriting you can just make chugga chugga riffs and you know of course the crowd will headbang to that any fucking day i mean given any day if you just have a breakdown and uh, you're going to be delhi stop band if you have a really good breakdown <laughs> but i don't want i don't want to be there i don't i don't even care like because uh, far more revo- rewarding is the songwriting process and what comes to fruition and if you if you actually have hit hit something in that fragmentary moment of creativity and you've hit that mark for yourself i think i, I don't think there can be a better mm. high than that and and in those mm. moments you you really become one with your instrument and uh, with what you do and it becomes your language mm it's very powerful i am um, what what you're talking talking about almost sounds like pop music I love pop music, okay? So when I say pop music, I'm not trying to say like yeah, like the Carpenters, they're one of ABBA, amazing. Like one of my favorite yeah, bands ever. That's not easy. It's really really fucking hard to make music like that. Like that's not easy to do. But yeah. I think what you're yeah, it's really hard. Like but to suggest that, you know, taking these forms and being and thinking very carefully about the craft, not only is like being able to play a zillion miles an hour, but also you know, finding that thing and if if anything, if we're if we're now And I've spoken to many of our peers about this as well. Like we're looking at a place where maybe because of this lockdown and us not being able to play shows, we really have to think about this form and what it can be and what it what it can be and ultimately how to if you're a musician full time how to sell it. Because you know speaking yeah, of stress and like paranoia and all of these kind of, you know, aggression whatever, there's a deeper kind of like context of what generates that which is like, you know, a sense of well-being or not you know and if we're making music it's got to pay for itself right so somehow so pop music but it, I, you know i would but, love to see this kind of future where it's like this this and it often is this way this kind of tilted pop music like that doesn't immediately make sense but just hits i mean to use an overused example because it comes to mind immediately is would be nirvana okay and i know that comes from like yeah. 10 12 years of american Absolutely. hardcore and then suddenly timing and a number of things and then suddenly no could you predict that stuff i don't know the song is very catchy you know quirk up in great great lyrics great melody you know the melodies all that stuff yeah but um you know yeah it's like or even green day maybe you know pop punk if you want to look at that kind of stuff as well but the, my point is that yeah. you know it's these it's these moments where you 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 merge like signature sounds that may have been placed in a more obscure abstract place like sonic youth in 86 or the dicks mm-hmm. in 84 i don't know like and then suddenly that leading to something else that becomes accessible 
you know? Mm-hmm. That's something that I would like personally love to see over the course of the next God knows how long until, you know, there are shows again. People I, just have to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. But I think like with this entire thing coming from the whole, my trajectory has been like, you know, from, from punk rock to like grindcore to then just being into death and black metal and then getting into noise and then now making post-punk music, which, which I find much more interesting because I'm, I'm not going usually for that British post-punk reverb drenched approach. Like I've been, I've been listening to a, these bunch of Australian bands who are kind of bringing in elements of jazz and I don't know, African rhythms and these crazy tribal rhythms and creating this massive sonic barrage out of it. I mean, for that matter, Swans, but they're slow, but they're these Australian bands like The Saints and Venom Peace Stinger. And then now Grindcore doesn't make as much sense to me as it did like four to five years ago. And now maybe maybe I just want to go Scott Walker and I just want like a fucking string section and I just want to write like songs like Montauk Terrace. And, you know, because I just, it's, I guess it just comes to the idea of being creative and as long as you're able to uh, put the, back the punch and put it, put it forward in your own language and in your own melodies. And, and when these things are coming into fruition one by one and then when the overlays happen and there are these moments when you get goosebumps, I think, I think that's when you transcend a, an inch or a semi-inch spiritually or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can recognize that. I also, I also feel this is maybe my own personal bias because I do love the form. But like, these kinds of forms of music, let's just call them broadly metal. And actually, that's inaccurate. But let's talk, let's just say death metal, hardcore punk. You know, since we are talking about that, like heavy music, yeah, heavy music. The sense of community around that, it it allows other things to happen. Somehow, I feel like I can't think of any like let's think let's think let's think about electronic dance music or electronic music production, which I also love. Mm-hmm. When there are communities around that, but the kind of the kind of arena for engagement is a dance floor, which is great. Yeah. You know, and there are like a, you know kind of or, or like uh, a rave or something like that. Essentially, you know, and there are a number of catalysts in that context that might heighten one's senses to kind of feel more included or whatever. Yeah, it might I mean, be. I I I never got electronic music until like I was on acid and in front of one of those electronic. <laughs> then I was like, oh okay. Oh, yeah, now it totally makes sense. All about. Now, now it makes all, sense. Yeah, now you're talking, bro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you're experiencing Goa, I'm sure, like Vikram. But like, the thing is, is that I feel there is something really interesting with, let's just say, heavy music that allows these community dynamics to then take the music in different places. And I think a lot of, I don't know if this is accurate. I, can't, I don't have anything to kind of like base this on. So it's pure, well, you know, I'll say it's pure speculation in a sense. But I find a lot of, music and visionary musicians came from like heavy music is that accurate or are i totally making this up and the reason i said is because i feel like maybe there is that community that supported them to do things as so-called outsiders that kind of steeled them to a future where it's like this is my take on this i'm not sure i disagree with you on this because um you know the thing is the, the funny thing about heavy music is it is at a very fundamental level i think it's it's a little uh, what's the word for it um, misanthropic yeah that's a pretty good word uh, yeah I yeah i think i think i mean it, it is in varying degrees it's not like a necessary thing 
I mean, it would be very much if, say, you were in playing black metal or like uh, you know a little more extreme music genre, and uh, and the whole community sense of things, like you know, f- for example, like hmm. that sense of community hmm. is something I really desire and crave for, uh, you know, with my music and like with hardcore music in general, because I see how it has been so fundamentally rooted in. you know a lot of personal development like say for a bunch of fans in the west yeah. and and i relate with it but i don't find peers to relate that with like you know a lot of peers rather like i mean i have a few peers but i don't have a lot of peers who could relate with that and sense that kind of value identification and like you know sense of personal growth and development and we don't i don't feel like we that exists necessarily for uh, musicians in general like in the heavy music space especially uh because of that misanthropic element like i said so that will f- keep fighting with the community element it will and yeah and you know i and and genuinely like i mean i've seen like a lot of visionary musicians are very reclusive they are very anti social they don't want to sure they don't give two shits about all this shit you know i really? mean community building and all of that through music is amazing i mean i i'll give it full credit and like you know uh respect where it's due but it's not like for example i, I don't think uh, ian mcke stepped out you know doing minor threat and like you know uh, fugazi thinking that he's going to build a community you know like how i think he did actually to... but well no, maybe okay 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 it's a bad I, example i beg to i beg to differ okay uh, all right, like in the all sense right, right. maybe maybe his perspective towards it changed like because he recognized that he holds a certain amount of influence and he said okay i'm going to be responsible about it and do something about it uh so in that sense yes but fundamentally i don't think ian mckay looks at himself as like a traditionally like you know influential person who i'm and like you know i'm going to build community okay i don't sure, think yeah. he felt like he belonged to like the larger you know like i said like the whole uh what do you call it the larger rhetoric or um um what do you call it the mass culture uh, the uh what's the word for it um the populist agenda yeah. so to speak no i know so, i agree with you absolutely. i mean you can... so he's a misanthrope there and then he's a community guy when he finds i guess like minded like you know souls i think it's so... a community of misanthropes <laughs> and I mean... that's like <laughs> right yeah i mean it, it's it's contextually very different like if if i was like let's say growing up in scandinavia in the 90s then i could i all my juvenilia and all my teenage rage could have been funneled through arson and murder homophobic murder and church burnings but i wasn't and then i grew up in leladak and most of the shit was i wasn't raised on kiss or sabbath and most of the time i was just seeing bollywood or either michael jackson on the tv so mm. that and then when you later discover these bands uh in a very late trajectory like for me like when i was coming to delhi looking for a metal scene the metal scene was dead and gone it was probably on its last legs and it wasn't surviving in any way and none of the music really actually spoke to me in any terms so the the whole community aspect that i thought does exist in bigger cities and uh maybe thrives and their people like you know there's like a i don't know some sort of a metal mafia that kind of puts out underground shows in around chatarpur farms or whatever all that all that all those 
pipe dreams uh never came to and it just became like you know perceptions of future that i look forward to which never occurred and now they they're just like remaining remain somewhere in my head space and now i see that the metal scene is deli is basically sterile. almost defunct and sterile and there's just nothing uh, more or less nothing at least for me okay and okay and then yeah of course you don't find a sense of community but then in this day and age i think all those community terms based around genres are kind of withering away and then again amalgamating into other forms so yeah if i listen to morbid angel i probably do listen to libark and then i meet a him and this and then yeah we, we both chime on libark and then it's true yeah or then we could get into something else so those fine lines uh, uh, those genre constricted categories yeah, yeah. uh uh are, are withering away and then it's it's becoming more of a if we are doing this kind of uh western music with let's say guitars and it's more aggressive and abrasive i guess and if mm-hmm. we feel like okay yeah okay i dig pacifist and i do dig death by fungi but then i probably don't take that other stoner band from i don't know hyderabad or wherever what what are they called I forget that. No, no. Uh, He's talking so about not... Diarchy, bro. Diarchy, Diarchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I don't dig Diarchy. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be going up trying to be bros with the Diarchy guys, but I could totally <laughs> throw out with you guys, like. So. Yeah. No, I feel you, man. I feel you. I, I get, I get what you're coming from, and I agree with it very strongly. Like, it's not, um, as a lot of people might think, you know. this whole uh what do you call it elitist agenda of bands from a certain clique and sound or genre banding up together and then like you know saying fuck you to the uh, <laughs> i don't know man uh i think that doesn't hold true like it's it if anything fundamentally i think what we really bond over is probably a certain work ethic and a certain ethic like overall to our music and how we go about it yeah Which, i think yeah it basically comes down to power and a, a, a certain sort of heart not hype and genuine expression that i guess we all kind of have a meters for in our own minds and oh yeah it it takes it takes that meter so yeah, yeah. we're prob- probably going to gel with this yeah you know. a certain perspective or attitude towards things and i mean i i wouldn't have i mean in other terms like by any means like i wouldn't have particularly like pacifist if i wasn't listening to like melodic hardcore and when i was in high school so that i was just like okay now there's a now fucking finally at least there's like one band Someone i really who... wished existed when i was younger so it, it, mm. it's that kind of thing mm. okay um all right um talked about a lot of things uh many of them very very interesting to me personally um look at yours as well it's a perspective on what like you know what this music means from this part of the world where yeah i don't think a lot of people really are aware um where do we see this going now i mean i i see like i said a future where maybe we're going to be kind of hunkering down more digging in finding something within ourselves as musicians but as far as um metal heavy music it is very much alive all music is but i do feel especially bands you know i mean i'm not you know watching a dj i don't 
it's like it's like you're saying, Victor, you know, like, are you Rahil? Like, there's a certain context where that makes a lot of sense. But I mean, you know, yeah, nothing can replace a band, and that's just not gonna happen yeah. anytime soon. So, nothing one's better than the other, but they're just different, wildly different. What's gonna happen? Yeah. You know, well, are we looking at a future where this music in this part of the world, and this applies globally as well, but in this part of the world, what, what, what might the future point to? You know, this kind of just fading away, and we're just watching live streams of people like DJing in their house and getting taken down because of copyright issues, and then you know, <laughs> what, what, like, or, or people playing say? like with their laptops, backing them up. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Karaoke, Skype—I don't know. Like, what? Yeah. What's gonna happen? Mm. And specifically, what's gonna happen? You know, I don't, I don't know. know the you answer, know, Brishan did a live stream. Brishan yeah. did a live stream. I missed it. How was that? I was supposed to do a live stream today also, but then I backed out of it. You didn't. You didn't do it finally. No, I did a little bit live stream, but I didn't do the that from the live stream. Ah, uh, little bit. It's been a while. No, I was there. Yeah, uh, that that you didn't was do the like, one tonight. Yeah, no, awesome. I didn't. I backed out. So what are your thoughts I, about it? It sucks, man. I hate doing it. I like. I don't like viewing it either. Like, unless it's a musician I really like, yeah, I would not check it out. And you know, even when I did what it, what if it was little ways there were like a drummer in a room? Dude, it's just first of all, everyone does it on Instagram, and Instagram. I think recently I found out you can use like rubber duck or yellow duck or whatever duck. to yeah. broadcast, but they're like a pain about it, right? I mean, this is not. It's just like a very I don't know, man. It can't replace like a show. Like when I mean, trying to make it replace a show, and I think we should just accept it's not going to happen for a while, and everyone should just work on their music because people yeah. sit down and listen to music in the pandemic, right? Like they're always consuming. Like people should work on their music. I guess the problem is how do you record drums and shit without you know, with studios closed? And I mean, figure it out. Right? I mean, we've had these problems even before there was a pandemic, and we figured yeah. it out. So, I have some ideas, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Maybe I guess I'm just wondering if there's a future for like band-oriented music. I mean, it's not going to go anywhere, but I guess I mean, I'm hoping spirit, that something else will happen. The 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 spirit still lives on, I guess. I mean, there's somewhere somewhere out there. There's still a band forming, and maybe they're they're making the future music of rock and roll. Maybe they are the next Stooges. I don't know. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it could be that, or maybe it it's just coming up in a completely new, different format. Because I mean, with with this ongoing state of chaos and flux, uh, you you can can't even barely fathom anything at this point. It's just yeah. completely, it's like a chameleon, but it's like a chameleon sitting in a prison matrix, and everything's reflecting, and all the diodes are going everywhere, and. It's, it's just insanity at this point, you know? I mean, if you try to map it out in your mind. So, I mean, watching a watching a live stream, if it's curated well and all that, yeah, cool. I mean, I'm getting to hear this in real time. Like, that's kind of cool about it. But, yeah. I mean, for me personally, I mean, doing a live stream by myself would be as real as, you know, phone sex. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's a fairly, that's a fairly decent... Uh... I could never capture what happens at a death by fungal show on a live stream, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's not possible. 
you yeah. know, without things actually breaking, I would just be breaking my own furniture or something. You know, I can't <laughs> afford that right now. Yeah. Did it drop out? I don't know. I I'm similar thing. Maybe something happened with his connection. Or... Mm. So, Vrishak, just one last question before we wrap it up. We've been online for a long time. So, working as an indie musician in India and then moving to Chicago, uh, what are the differences you perceive and the similarities? Do you see a lot of similarities, of course, in the struggle of the indie artist, which exists everywhere? Um, and um, how are you received, uh, you know? I don't really play music over here. I've I've played a few DIY shows with my math rock band Buenaventura, and played a few acoustic little whale sets. Um, over here, there's kind of like, you know, the same way we are like um, passionate about doing like DIY music. Like, and I don't I don't mean we're as good as these bands or whatever, but what we're doing is still more similar to them, like closer to what Fugazi and Black Flag were doing, being like the first bands to start doing it this way. Whereas in the U.S., these bands have been doing it here for 20, 30 years. So there's like, you know, they've had DIY culture for a bit. You know, I always find it funny when like I see Americans being so ironic about DIY shows. They're like, oh, another DIY show. I'm like, yeah, we would kill for that in India. You know, like the space you have over here. If we had this space, we would not be being ironic and we wouldn't be complaining about it at any point. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. I see so many memes about, oh, when you're at a DIY venue and this and that. I'm like, shh. I, I'm like, fine, make jokes about it. But I just don't find them funny. I'm like, that's cool. I get it. You all have had, you all have had it easy many years. They've had DIY culture here. It's like very easy to call up a venue and book a show. Like you might not get a date in the range as quickly as you might in India or whatever. But it's not like a, I don't have to, in India, right? Let's say I want to book a venue directly. I try to get in touch with the promoter. Promoter won't pick up. When they finally pick up, they'll be like, oh, can you send us this email? They won't respond until I ask a friend of the promoters, hey, can you ask them to respond to me? It's this long process that it just actually is not over here. Like here you get a yes or no, and it's like done. And sure, there's a lot of email sending, but that infrastructure has been in place for so many years. So to me, that is that was like the biggest, biggest difference. Like when in India, it feels like you're doing it from scratch. Over here, you're not. You're in a connected system of people doing it in like, I don't know, hundreds of different cities, right? Even small cities in the US will have like this stuff going on. In, in India, what is it? We've got like five big cities to play and you play anywhere else, uh, that's on you. Like, let's see if you can get people to show up there or, or whatever. But yeah, that's like a big <clears throat> difference generally, I feel. Okay. Like, if I, could, yeah, if I should add to that, though, again, this is my own personal experience, but um, I do think that's one of the most exciting things. You mentioned it, Prashant, in terms of like, there's five cities that have some semblance, well, or had some semblance of infrastructure, but imagine if you do play smaller cities like you guys have, and yeah. there's like three people who are just like, what the, like, it just kind of, something happens where they're like, oh my God, I, that's, yeah a real thing like you know mm -hmm. that's where i think things can really change so i find that no really i exciting. agree with you i think actually hitting up most small cities is a good idea like for death by fungi i've been planning whenever i come back now probably after the pandemic um mm. would be like um they're like two punk bands from amdabad you go play amdabad man even though i hate gujarat as a concept <laughs> i'll go play it. Um, yeah 
Yeah. I guess the only place in India I wouldn't want to go to is UP. But I think everything else is like on the map. Like, and any small city. I'll tell you something. Like, we got to Chandigarh before we ever played Pune. You know, yeah, Pune right. is a nightmare to play. Yeah. Like, I know that Sid is not here, but he'll tell you about when they finally got an extreme show in Pune. That was a total shit show, right? And comparatively, I would have to play like their other North or Chandigarh again, even though we got a smaller audience or whatever. That was just better, you know, like overall. Mm. It was like, it was more legit. So, um, yeah, you got to go to different cities because I feel like the, the whole scene in India has, has become very... Um, dedicated to pandering to the audience that already exists yeah. like in bombay right it's like very very like oh um our bros our bantai like i make fun of it bantai culture but they are essentially writing music for every new gen band every new group metal band they're writing music for the same 50 100 all the zignima crew basically right so no one else is interested no one else likes it like the people who come out for like these punk shows and these ex- these outside extreme music shows, you won't see them at like a cinema show. They like people are sick of it. People like don't want it. And initially, I also felt like, oh, there's no future for punk. But the second I got out of Bombay, like I was like, oh, no way. Like mm. we were playing to 200 plus people in Bangalore, Delhi, like and in Bombay, like we're like struggling to get. Even if like for the whole show, more than 150 people show up for our band, there'll be like. 70, 60 people there in the audience after doing it for seven years. And uh, so I think like, that's like the cool thing. It's put me in touch with so many like people who are not part of the contemporary metal scene or not part of the indie scene, but fuck with the music, you know? So generally I think like that's the future. You don't have to keep playing to your hometown scene audience again and again. They're just not interested. Fuck them. (laughs) I mean, you should go to small cities and even if over there you can only manage to get like the attention of four people, maybe those four people start a band and start doing it that maybe they'll get into a promotion. Maybe they'll want to yeah, exactly. take it. And I think it's that slow build up, but it's the only kind of build up all this viral shit. Like it, it dies. I feel like your band was viral for a while. Okay, cool. Who mm. cares in a year? Right. I mean, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it it's it, with this whole viral thing. It's as relevant as like a meme on my feed. I'll just look at it for a second and be like, yeah, yeah, or nah, and then I'll scroll past it and it won't, I don't know, p- permeate any membrane in my memory or anything. Yeah. Like- yeah, I know. For me, like just to kind of wrap this up on a more positive note. Not that it's been a negative conversation, of course, but um, I I personally think there's a really interesting again. I don't know hopeless optimistic to actually think about all of these things think about all of these things and present them to an audience online streaming can mean many things okay it can mean a lot of things but if the same logic would be to apply the same logic in thinking that playing to smaller cities maybe there's a way to find a new audience because they're not catered to because they don't fall prey to the same scene dynamics whatever why can't that happen online is that is that even something that's like possible i mean i for me, the answer is yes. But I know a lot of my peers, uh, you know, I guess in terms of people who produce events are, are thinking about this. I guess they are. I'm not sure what they're doing. I mean, they must be. Um, and I find this all very, I mean, I find it all very exciting, like to think about, is there a way to kind of present this, but basically do it in a way that makes sense given the situation, you know? So, okay, we can't do, we can't do shows. You know, screw bands, DJs can't do shows. Like, so 
what do we do with this? How do we bring this to a wider audience? And maybe if anything, it's actually easier because we actually just have to like think carefully about the medium of what, you know, on the one hand video is, but then of course live video and what that means. And yeah. I don't know. That's kind of my I mean, personally, personally, I've been thinking about how good it would be. I mean, right now, I don't know if like jam space and stuff are open in Bombay, but good um, like live session recordings, right? Like that is yeah. something people consume a lot, like much yeah, more than just a song. Like, like, you know, audio tree is like a far-fetched, very good, you know, well-oiled machine, but like, we don't have to have audio tree as much as we could just have bands working on that content. I guess for me, the problem becomes that in a lot of people equate that, like I was just saying, like that viral tendency, like they want to make sure. viral content yeah. as opposed to making good content. Yeah, yeah. So you're essentially like doing what TikTok is, right? Like it's just a lot of bad content on one platform. And I fully expect Indian bands if they start making, they like transition to a fully content model is going to be like nonsense. Like yeah. fucking Vadwan or whatever they were doing. Like, I, I mean, what Vadwan did, I thought was so funny because they literally took like that name heading text, Hindi metal, <laughs> question mark, question mark. You could not imagine it. And that is like, so obviously they want to make this a meme, right? And, but then Barwan plays, play, like I saw a video of this show, there were like 15 people in the audience. And I was like, yeah, exactly. That's what your fucking meme status is going to get you. Or you could pull like a bloody, bloody word or whatever. <laughs> and suddenly told Europe, like those guys are like dedicated content producers, right? So it's like, we'll give or take. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference in your approach towards making music and like just making for like you know making content uh, quote unquote so yeah, uh, yeah there is, there yeah, is. I mean, your priorities are different when your audience is largely internet based and i speak this from experience because i know what it means to be an internet based act which is pretty much what my parody rap project uh, garibi is and and i know that how how it doesn't necessarily translate into an audience that might want to see you live on a recurring basis. It might be a one-off novelty, you know, and that's what I genuinely feel sometimes about the whole thing that it, it was a cool thing when it happened and it's not something that sustains itself necessarily over time, depending on obviously how, how you go about it and what you do with it and um, who you are uh, like outside of like social media and all of that as well. Right. So that even that counts if, if you do have like a so solid presence uh, on stage and like, you know, you can command a crowd and you can really entertain an audience and do all of that. It goes a long way. Then, then, yeah. you know, the, then word spreads and, yeah. you know, people want to people actually want to catch you live as well. Uh, there's a reason probably why like even say Baba Sagal doesn't do shows anymore, but he mm. thrives off the shit that he gets on the internet. So, I mean, wow. I kind of understand. Baba Segal is actually works. a great example, right? Because yeah, he, yeah. He, he's, he actually produces like nonsense, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. cool. It, he kind of gets his niche. Like, no, he's like, yeah, I would, oh, whatever. It's like. I'd love to tell you a Baba Segal story, but I don't think we can right now. In fact, I think. You've told me the Baba Segal story. I have. Okay, <laughs> so. yeah, but, yeah, okay yeah. guys. I, I, anyway, I think actually it's a really interesting time. It's really kind of frustrating and like alienating and bizarre but also i do think something really interesting will come out of it just in terms of where this music will 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 go and i i do think actually three of you in particular have like i'm really curious to see what happens next with you all to be honest 
Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you so much for coming online. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, thanks for having yeah. us over, man. Yes. Yeah, enjoyed it, man. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, I hope I can see you guys live again someday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope that day someday. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Anyway. I love being in the audience. So yeah. 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 Okay, man. Thank All you right, guys. guys. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Yeah, man. Take care of yourselves. Be soon. You too, man. Guys. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Big Turtle Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. See you next time.